This show is brought to you by Objectivity Squared Wealth Management, helping families strategize, execute, monitor, and communicate their financial decisions. Learn more at objectivitysquared.com. Call to Adventure, hosted by Alex Opolis and John Duckworth, an exploratory conversation about facing the unknown, an opportunity to discuss those pivotal moments that illuminate new paths and reveal deeper purpose and meaning in our lives. Welcome to the 30th episode of Call to Adventure. This is John Duckworth alongside my great friend and co-host, Alex Opolis, and we are excited to share with you this fantastic conversation with the soft-spoken yet large-voiced singer-songwriter, Brendan James. Your thoughts, Alex? Yeah. Um, beautiful artist, uh, beautiful soul. Uh, sounds like a wonderful family man as well. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, our audience will enjoy uh, the conversation. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we, we get into, we go all the way back to teen years, all the way through uh, uh, a big leap into the unknown. So, you know. And mentorship, you know, it's such an yeah. interesting thing for all of us yeah. to sort of ponder the role that we can play in other people's lives, you know, beyond our family yeah. and how important that is um, and what a beautiful relationship it can be. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I mean, he, yeah. he, what, what do you say, 20 years later, he's still. Uh, talking about right. you know the impact that Kevin had on his life. Um, I think that and uh, ditching the backup plan, ditching the backup. Yeah, well, and, so and, and and getting rid of the backpack. Right, getting yeah. rid of the backpack. Well, if you want to know what the heck we're talking about, just uh, <laughs> stay tuned and uh, listen to our conversation with Brendan James, incredible uh, musician, singer, songwriter. Let's hear it. Well, here we are in the studio, um, Call to Adventure, sitting here with Alexopoulos, John Duckworth, and we have uh, the honor to sit with a good friend and talented musician, Brendan James. Hello. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Good to see you. Good to see you. It's a treat to be able to sit down with good people and, and uh, spend an hour or two and have a good conversation. So. Yeah, I knew right when I walked in, I saw your face, and I was like, oh, I just haven't been able to talk to you in years. I mean, it's been a couple years since... You know, past the, oh, hey, what's up, John? Hey, what's up, Brendan? At parties or... Right. Well, when did you do the show at the music hall? Probably three years ago. Was it that long ago? Yeah. I did did about three there, but I haven't done one in... In that long? In about two and a half or three years. Okay. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. I've been, yeah, traveling. Well, you've been busy and we're going to get to that. Um, But uh, the first, uh, uh, going back in time... The first topic we wanted to get into was uh, you described it as the mentor that started it all. So, tell yeah. us a little bit about that. How old were you, and and what happened? Man, you know, to this day, I I had no idea at the time that I would be talking about it twenty years later. Mm. It's just, it was just a really special moment in my life um, that lasted a few years. But I was around, I don't know, sixteen or seventeen. Um, I think the very first time I sort of got connected to this guy was uh, I was in uh, the basement of a friend's house who lived right near me. So I'm around 16 and she had told him, you know, you got to hear Brendan sing. And I was like, "Uh, okay, I guess I guess I could go sing for this guy, this friend of yours. (laughs) So we're in the basement and he has his guitar out and he has this black and white journal out and it's and he opens it up and it's Bob Dylan's blowing in the wind. 
and he sings it a little for me. He's like, you know this song? I'm like, not not really. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't. Um, you know, it sounded familiar. And he said, well, you taught me the melody a little bit. And he said, and you try to sing it. So I sang it. And just to hear my own voice in that experience for me was was really pivotal. Hmm. And and I think he felt it too and she felt it. And so we stayed in touch. And and then I sang at a funeral. My my uh, my best friend's mother passed away when he was 17. We were all 17. And it was like, I mean, just life-changing. She was like kind of the heart and soul of the group. And mm-hmm. all our moms were great. But, you know, his, his mom was so special in his life. And she passes away. And uh, here I am again with that guy. His name's Kevin. And um, he... He's going to be the piano player, and the family asks me to sing Candle in the Wind by Elton John. Oh, boy. So there we are kind of sharing this another moment now with another kind of classic artist. Now it's Elton, and I'm feeling and hearing Elton's words and melodies come out of my voice as a young kid, and he's feeling it too. And I'm singing for this church of like 300 people, and everyone's crying, and I'm trying Mm. not to cry, and I'm singing Elton, and... I think we just had those couple moments that forged a really cool relationship for the next few years. And he would then invite me over, play all these records for me. This man is and was amazing. He's like, a, I consider him a genius, uh, almost of the savant nature. Um, wonderful heart, had all the right uh, ethos, ethics, morals in place, um, but sort of steered away from society. And were you getting, were you diving into those things originally, or it was really just the no. musical experience that connected you? I was not diving into those. I was, yeah. um, I was playing soccer at school. I was in, I was in musicals, and I was starting to kind of explore my voice, but I had no idea that there was going to be a deeper meaning or use for mm-hmm. it. And so, you know, we'd stay up super late in his old barn. He he lived in a barn, and everything in the barn was like. Uh, all the furniture, every piece that he owned was before 1964. It was just a thing that he, <laughs> that he had. And so the lamps and the chairs and the records, and he would say, hey, Brendan, listen, you know, this is Patsy Cline. I want, I want you to listen to her phrasing. This is Bob Dylan. I want you to hear what he's writing about and why, and why it's different from the pop stuff that you're listening to. Or uh, Oh, wow. So not only radio. was he taking you on this, like, musical journey, in time, you felt like you were literally in a time machine when you walked into I his did. place because yeah. everything was 1964. Ex- exactly. That's wild. And when you're huh. a kid like that, I don't know, I didn't know how special it even was at the time because I, there I was playing soccer and hanging out with all my friends and sort of singing. But then I'd like enter this time warp and I would just feel different and I would feel connected to some source that I had never been connected to. And I just had many late nights like that of just talking about deep stuff. He'd pull out books, he'd pull out poems, and he'd just read them. And you said he recognized something in you before you recognized it in yourself. And that's a pretty special gift, right? Yeah. It, it, to me, it really speaks to the power of, of a mentor or mm-hmm. just intervention in a younger person's life in general and how special that can be. I mean... It's, it's interesting because I was just asked to be a mentor for a kid at the College of Charleston <clears throat> who's in the communications department, and, and I don't have any communications background, you know? Right. And I'm a dad. I have two kids, and, you know, in and, and that way I feel as a, a mentor, but this responsibility of providing guidance to a 19, 20-year-old about to go off into the 
quote unquote real world, you know, and I, and I had a lot of anxiety about it. Yeah. Uh, but I settled into a position and it's been an incredible relationship, but I settled into a position of just being open and honest about my own story. You yeah. Know? Um, yeah. And listening to his, and it's just, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, that, that, that relationship. It, it, yeah. It, and, and I think as at your role, it doesn't have to be much more than that. I mean, right. Mm-hmm. If, if I get that opportunity and, and now I have kids and I can't wait to let that unfold, but just a mentorship in general, like I'm going to, I'm going to just help bring out of them what I see in them, but with no pressure. I think that's what I've learned in my path is like, no one's ever pressured me. No one, because what he wouldn't do was he wouldn't sit with a guitar or a piano and teach me how to play. Because at this point, I didn't know how to play any instrument, and he wouldn't sit there. He refused to say, say this is how you do it. He's like, there's something in you, and you're going to have to find it. Oh, wow. And I love right. that about my mentorship, too. And, and not just to teach and to preach. It's just to, to help it unfold, sort of, you know. that's what Relate that back to one of your fears, because one of your fears you mentioned was not having... One of the questions was, yeah. what's, a, what's an important conversation that you've never had? Yeah, um, yeah. And you commented that, you know, you never had those life conversations with your father. And so you worry or fear that you'll be able to have those conversations with your son. But yeah. juxtaposed against that is this incredible conversations that you're having with this mentor. And so h- how does that shape you as a father? Jeez. Um that is such a, a multifaceted topic because even just hearing you ask it, my brain goes to 16 different things. You know, I mean, obviously the emotion of having- a, We got time, man. You know what I mean? I yeah. guess we do have time. Um, <laughs> I mean, just you just think about what it is to not have the father in the household. And, and granted, I will say over and over, my dad was great on the weekends and he, came, he showed up every other weekend like he was supposed to and we had a lot of fun. Um, but the, the voids that it leaves in, in the for a girl and for a boy, I think in my life, well, I know in my life, I have sought strong male relationships. And I've just it's just a pattern that I can see now. Hmm. I'm in my late 30s and I can see how much, how important certain men have been in my life because mm-hmm. I didn't have one in the house. And I think Kevin was clearly that first one, this sort of wise, someone who just wanted to give time. All right. I think more than anything, kids from their parents, that's all they're craving. And although that's my one dad- of the things yeah. that I'll say over and over again uh, to people who have newborns, you know, yeah. and John, what's, what's one piece of advice you might give? And I say, well, there's no substitute for time. Yeah. No substitute for time spent. God, it's just think, such a All lesson. of it comes out of that. You don't have to make yeah. big plans. You spend time and good stuff happens, you know, and you'll understand your children better. You'll, totally. And that relationship just becomes special out of that. Totally. And that's what he was willing to give. He was so interested mm. in me and what I, my talents, that was just, I just really gravitated towards it. Um, How old are your kids? So they're, Milo is almost two. Uh, he's my son and Penny is four. She's my daughter. You're in the weeds. I'm, oh. <laughs> I'm glad, no he, life we're glad you made it, bro. I, the more people I meet who, in the weeds. who can help label that for yeah, me, yeah. the better. Yeah. The, I, I love when someone labels it and reminds me because it's just my reality right now. Right. right. And yeah. I, I think my reality is just I can't even see out of it right now. I'm just so in something. So when someone's like, oh, th- those are the weeds, I'm like, oh, right. Okay, yeah, great. Yeah. 
Right, right. And by the way, you're not going to be there forever. You know? Yeah, okay, good. That's good. the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> for better or for worse, just as soon as you get used to one stage, it changes. Yeah. And I've said that before and, and had the exact opposite reaction from people. You know, some people who are in a stage who they don't understand, I'm talking about a stage that your children are in where you're just like, man, this is so rough. I can't do anything to figure out what makes Penny do this or that or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that knowing that the stage will change is like a total relief. Oh, right, just wait a little longer and whatever's happening will totally shift. Yeah, you know? exactly. But the flip side of that is true as well. When you're like, man, I got a handle on Milo. I'm good. Things are great. I'm grooving. I'm and then all of a sudden, yeah. bam, it all changes. <laughs> that, is, that is okay, uh, good. And it keeps happening, right, Alex? Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I love the way uh, you referred to Robert Lang, right? Robbie? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I met him for the first time when we did that recording. What a beautiful soul that oh, guy is. Man. Isn't um, he? Yeah. But I love the way he talked about, like we asked him about reading, and he said, you know, it's one of my favorite things to do, but I'm just not reading right now because it's just – it's not the time. He said that too. Yeah. yeah, that's how exactly how I feel. Yeah. Is that right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. It's a luxury that you don't have the time to afford it, right now. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I just described when I worked yesterday with Craig Meyer, actually, this guy, this uh, producer slash drummer, a good friend of mine. I just tried, we worked together last night and I, and I was tired. I was like, can I just, can I take two minutes, Craig, and tell you what my day was today? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's part of the process. Come on, what, what, what was it? And I described what it's like to have your house on the market, have one kid in preschool, have a wife that works, be the be the guy at home when she's working. Not you know we're not paying for a nanny and all these things. I described my day, and he just couldn't believe it. And and I I think that stems back to I don't have time to read. I mean, by the time I get home and we put the kids to bed and it's nine thirty, and my wife walks down the stairs and we're like. Oh, what just happened? <laughs> it's not like let's go pick up a book because I got tons of energy to digest some literature right now. Right, and it's, and what a difference it makes. I mean, I, I was talking about seeing a uh, a video um, of you and Carly Simon and looking at it and going, "Oh wow, look how young Brendan is." It's, and oh my and God. so like looking back, it's a different era right there. Right, yeah. and and one of the questions we ask is, you know, what would you say to your younger self? And 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 I think you said be yourself, right? Yes. Did that take, did that take a long time for you to be true to that? Yeah. Or, or were you sort of your own kid throughout? You know, it's so funny. I think people who knew me probably would have described me as my own kid. And I think I've always asserted my own independence and had my own kind of thing. But inside my body and inside my head, I'm searching for approval all the time. I'm searching for praise. I'm searching for some better sense of identity. I know it's not uncommon in the human race to, right. to search for all those things, but I would love to tell my younger self, especially with all the recording experience I've had and all the big whatever has happened, I wish I knew when I was 22 that it was okay. Write and sing what you feel, mm. and that's it. Don't right. And what you think is great, that is great. Because if, if every artist did that, we all know that all the different types of art would be that much more original and confident in their own right. So it just took me a while to, and to it's this It's really it, it's challenging, hard. as particularly in the creative fields, to not be looking for approval and affirmation. Yeah. Because you're kind of hanging yourself out there. And then when you get approval and affirmation, the thing that people tend to do is then to want to repeat 
that yeah. thing that got them the approval and affirmation. Right. The first thing. And it may not be the thing that you're feeling in the moment. In the moment. It's suddenly not as, uh, it won't connect in the same way. Right. Um, and then and it loses the joy for you. And, then and then, right. You know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. It's challenging. So somehow that ties back to your question of, of me and my son. Because I just, I'm smiling because I'm like, am I going to steer him in the direction of art? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't know. Um, you I got plenty know. of time to grapple yeah, with that Totally of time, to, yeah. But, but it, it's, yeah. A tough, it's a tough gig, you know? It's a tough gig to do it full time and we'll see. We'll see. Hmm. But um, I was thinking about uh, Candle in the Wind and Elton John when you brought this up. Uh, I played the song yesterday. And as soon as that song started... Um, I started, I didn't cry, but I, I definitely started to get emotional. It just sort of kicked in like an immediate trigger. And I can't imagine singing that song in front of 300 people at a funeral and not crying. Yeah, I, I, I can only tell you that the, in those moments, are the, those are the true moments that I have realized that I, I think it's what I'm supposed to be doing because mm. It's, it's, it's not until you're in those really heightened moments where you've, you should be crying and you should break down. And I've been maybe two or three of those in my whole life where I've questioned, out of body, I've looked down on my body and thought, how are you doing this right now? How right. is, and then you just say, I think I'm supposed to be. I mm. think, and it's just, it's affirming, it's reaffirming, you know? Yeah. And that was one of those moments that I, physically I, I was out huh. of my body and it was just so special. That gives Gosh, me that, that gives me chills thinking about it because I've had you know that's that's um, those are those moments when in creative process, particularly in painting, that I have, where when I really get into a painting, mm -hmm. there's a timelessness. There's just a space that I, that I can step into where where it, it's completely everything shifts, and I've had this happen multiple times where I actually step back from the painting at some point and I. How long I've been there is is irrelevant. It could be two, four, six hours, whatever. But I've actually looked at what I've done and said, "Holy shit! Did I did I do that? Did I do that? Who did that? Wow. You know." And that's a similar thing, right? Like, am I doing this? Who's do, who's doing this thing in here? Exactly. <laughs> and that's what I, I, we're jumping around a lot. But when you asked the, the question earlier, what I think of spiritual experiences mm -hmm. that. That's really touching on it for me. Is that yeah. that that time where you lose, you know, you lose a sense of reality, you lose a sense of who you are, what you're even doing. Hours go by. Um, I think that's being in touch with spirituality and, mm -hmm. and and the creative process. But they're they're interconnected. I think. Well, talking about Elton John just makes me want to listen to that tune. Let's do it. Gosh. Yeah, that's the first song on the lineup here. So great, uh, uh, and it's appropriate because it's the first song that. Uh, uh, well, what, maybe the second song you sang with, with Kevin playing. Yeah. This was the one from the funeral, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, yep. Um, so, yeah, let's hear it. Candle in the Wind, Elton John.
Marilyn Monroe And it seems 